looking back on these last 20 years of my life and thinking of all the people that have come in to my life and are no longer part of my life and you know and just thinking about the thing you know the lessons that you've learned from the relationships that you had you know they might not all have ended well but hopefully you will have taken something away that that will have changed you you know hi this is Lowell Tolhurst co-founder of The Cure. This is Budgie, co-founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we drew the map. How's Spinal Tap of Block Party been then? Ours was always exploding guitarists. Um, called John. They were always called John as well. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I feel like we've been quite, you know, we're not Motley Crue or something. It's, uh, you know, I feel we've always been quite pleasant. I think we've always treated each other respectfully, um, you know, even at times of distance you know I, I don't think it's ever got to fisticuffs Ooh, i did <laughs> but there's still time there's still time <laughs> there are some bands we know that make a whole reputation on like yeah right yes exactly yeah maybe it wouldn't be a bad thing to clear the air but then uh, you know i don't think regular violence is, is something that we sh- i should be um extolling so yeah i don't know i, I think it's good no you're right i mean that we're not in that place but you know every, i think we've been going for such a long time now um you know i've known russell the i guess the founding member for such a long time that i think we have an understanding about what is important ultimately and uh i think we're on the same page with that so. well that's good I, I did that thing you should never do, you know, is look at your your own history on some trail somewhere, and it goes to our old friend Spiz Energy. That's where I went to. Oh my goodness! And okay. Spizzles and Spiz Oil, and uh, and there was a photograph. It was courtesy of Spiz, you know. So I click on it. Yeah. And there I am. I mean, all the Banshee party and extended family crew. Uh, right. You know, I think it was a wedding anniversary or some celebration of maybe our sound guy and his wife, and yeah. So I, people I've met recently, and some I, I've met very recently after a long time, and people I you know who I was married to and was an ex girlfriend, and you just realise it was a really tight knit little group, and we met on a nightly basis, you know, or daily basis, even when we were not on tour. And then the band kind of became only together when we were on tour. Yeah, yeah. And that's the big change, I suppose. That point you change, dynamics change. And I suppose then it's always about, well, is the music honest? Is the the reason, as you just said, Kelly, for for doing this? Um, It must be odd when the reason, the longevity is there because you've changed so much that your original reason for being there is is not recognizable to yourself but it's what it's what the fans want does that make sense it's kind of like what you've created takes on its own life and and it's you know okay well should we go with this (laughs) yeah i mean you know i I guess in our situation you know i founded the band with 
Russell, the guitar player, you know, when I was at Sixth Form College, I would, you know, that was when I met him, I would go to his house and we'd write songs together and really that relationship is still there. You know, know, we've we've had highs and we've had lows, but we still respect each other musically. You know, whenever I play with him, I feel like I'm being shown something I hadn't seen before. So as long as that keeps happening. Respect is a very necessary thing i think because once you become disdainful of each other or whatever it's it's never going to work i don't know i mean shirley manson said it to us it's always your family the band whatever happens at the end of the day it's, you're always family somewhere along the line you know yeah i mean that's the one thing that i would say as a 40 year old to that, you know, looking back on these last 20 years of my life and thinking of all the people that have come in to my life and are no longer part of my life. And, you know, and just thinking about the thing, you know, the lessons that you've learned from the relationships the, 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 that you had, you know, they might not all have ended well, but hopefully you will have taken something away that that will have changed you, you know. Um, yeah. I'm not really in contact with very many people from the start of, of my life. And, and that was no... I guess for no real reason other than I guess when, when I started touring for the first time, it was just so disruptive. You would just, I would only ever see my family because we were away for so long. And But I didn't, I, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't mind that. I was doing something that I loved and, and, and yeah, I wouldn't have changed it. But yeah, sorry. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Uh, looking back as a 40 year old, that's how I try to think about the people that are no longer in, in my life, you know, just be thankful for the time that times that you did have. I don't know. I don't know. That's, that sounds like a that sounds like a Hallmark card, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it sounds it sounds genuine and kind. But you know, the particular profession we find ourselves in is you're not destined to be around people. I mean, I can remember coming back home after my first tours, and it wasn't just like you know romantic relationships that don't flourish it was like every relationship yeah. because i would yeah. i would go down to the the pub and you know see people that i knew from growing up and they hadn't seen me for six months or a year or whatever i don't know anything about their life you know it's it's like it's gone that burden's gone and i i find did you have to sign autographs when you got in the pub um not that I recall. I just remember that because they, they'd only ever seen, you know, it, it, he's on the telly. Seen you on the telly. He'd been on Top of the Pops a few times, you know, BBC television. And same, similar when MTV, because you like hit, you guys were on MTV. Yes, very early on. Like you took the thing, you took MTV over, right? Yes, basically. Some respite from REO Speedwagon or whatever. <laughs> 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 Mentioned no names, of course. I like David Lee Roth. I thought he was, he was a good guy. But the, the way he did the splits, you know. Well, well, before my time, but I can imagine the vibe. Yeah. When did you first get, get out to America, Cal? Um, I mean, we first got out to America before we recorded our first album, Silent Alarm. I think in 2003, I think we did we did shows really early on in the States, um, at like college radio things, I remember. Um, in like, I think 2003, 2004. Yeah, I mean, the, it, was, it, it was an amazing time going from wanting to do this for so long um, to actually doing it and being flown to other countries, you know, staying in 
you know, staying on people's floors or in kind of shitty motels, but we were doing it. We were really like a, a band and it wasn't until like two years later, I guess, when Silent Lime came out that we kind of saw what was possible. But I, I do remember those first few years just being excited that they wanted to us to go everywhere and, and, and do all this stuff. We, we didn't really anticipate any of that stuff. We, we have a friend that uh, we, we had on the show a while back, James Murphy from LCD Sound System, and he had an interesting theory about that uh, sort of, you know, life of discovering the world, you know, in a completely different way and going on tour. He said he would often meet people on the road and start talking to them and realize that they were actually maybe 10 years older than him, but they looked, he looked about 10 years younger than them and felt younger because this kind of life, you know, for whatever reason in the end actually keeps you youthful. You don't, you don't suddenly decide, oh, well, this is going to be my life and it's charted out now until I'm 65 and then I'm going to, you know, retire and it's going to be, so it actually it has that effect. And, uh, what do you think about that? I mean, I would agree. You know, touring, you know, turns you into like a teenager and it kind of keeps you there. You know, you're like, you're Peter Pan with all of your friends traveling around the country, traveling around the world, just having these, having these adventures and, right. you know, and it's someone's job to wake you up and it's someone's job to get you from A to B. You know, you haven't got any responsibilities and it's a great way to live, I think, as a young person. But I do think really for me, having children kind of changed that way of looking at touring now it's clearly because my world's changed I mean I'm you know and now I want to be home you know I I don't want to be on a tour bus you know I don't want to be in in a hotel room you know I don't want to miss anything you know like Eden our three-year-old he was born just before the first lockdown he was six months at the first lockdown so for that whole year you know I I wasn't allowed to travel but it was perfect because we had this newborn and I and I every every single day I I could see that he was developing and becoming something and I just I I don't know I guess um for me you know you know what is it like the the great reset isn't it I guess lots of people post-covid are maybe looking at their lives a bit differently and trying to get the balance of work and home and so yeah, it's something that I'm kind of struggling with, I guess, internally, if I'm honest right now. It's, it's that thing where you, you you would have had to make a difficult decision. Baby just arrived, but, you know, it's that time again. I've got to pack the case. I know, I know. For the first time ever, you know, because, you know, you always find, you know, when you're in the middle of a, a five-week tour somewhere and you haven't been home, you always kind of fantasize about what it would be like not touring and to have that then like forced upon me and to actually quite enjoy it was like oh okay um maybe there is a, a different way to do things i felt very guilty because i was away My, i started touring again when um, i teamed up with john grant and his little little band and touring around britain quite a lot as well and europe and um it was i mean the children were let's see they were kind of like Five, somewhere around there um but, but i was actually getting more sleep you know i hadn't slept <laughs> yeah. for like three years right. it felt like you know and i was just like oh, i need sleep and it was great suddenly i had 
days just wandering around in the you know cities that I'd been to many times, but I was like feeling a little lonely, missing home, but actually trying to make the most of the experience as well. Well, that's what I'm. I'm looking forward to having some lions, actually. <laughs> yeah, you see, there's not all going to be. It's got good, good, good sides to it as well. Um, yeah, I, I think you know because we have a handful of shows booked this year. I think it's going to be a real test, just. For me personally, to see what that feels like, it's it's so yeah. L- let's see what it feels. Like. I think I think I'm kind of building up in my head a little bit. You're doing these shows with um, oh, I forgot the name Paramore. 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 Yeah. Lol, you know, I I only came across them them recently, but. It sounds like you're doing like the six big venues down the country. Yeah, we're doing six in the well, a handful in the UK and then a handful in the states. So, okay. uh, and then I think it looks like we're going to be going to Australia um, at the end of the year. So, it's just about enough, really. John did um, opening for a, a similar tour, like the the NEC, and we ended up at like the O2 Arena in London with, with Elbow. Okay, and so Guy and the guy and the guys and for me it was just seeing um a touring from another point of view again you know where the crews you certainly say that the o2 arena where everybody like drives into the open venue and the crews get to work at six in the morning building the thing and it was the smallest stage i'd ever been on because we were opening and these stages are kind of like tightly built for the that the, the headline act yeah um they're, they're lovely, aren't they? Although um, Guy has a room in he has a room in the studio just near me, so I see I bump into him quite a lot. He seems he's a lovely man. Yeah, yeah, he is a lovely man. Yeah, he's a really lovely man. I think I think I think that's all I was going to say. <laughs> okay. I thought we were going to get some inside stories on Guy's uh, early morning uh, pre-studio habits. Some dirt on elbow. That's what we want. Yeah. For me, the children thing was kind of you know it was it was force of circumstance because I had left the band and then my son was born. So I'm like, okay, I'm and I ran away and I came here and I'm like, okay, I'm just I'm going to spend these years bringing him up which is what I did like Patty Smith you know and it wasn't until he was a teenager that I said okay now I can go on tour and I can do things like that yeah and it paid a lot of benefits absolutely because we have a very good close relationship you know that's it's it's very encouraging to hear that because that's what's most important really is you know that I'm here and I'm present um yeah you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't easy bringing these children into it, into our lives. And, you know, that's only the start of the journey. And, you know, I'm, I'm under no illusions. I know that I know how I was when I was a teenager. I know that we have troubles coming, but I want to have a real relationship with my children. I think if you have the real relationship first, no matter what troubles come, because you're right, they always come. Mm. You have a way to navigate them. Where I didn't have a way to navigate my troubles with my father because I had no relationship with him. So, you know, I just would bypass him all the time because I I thought, well, he's not going to help me. Yeah, He doesn't have the answer for me there, so I'm just going to go, you know, and and I did. And that's what formed the band because The Cure became my family. But, you know, for my son, I looked at it like this, like, well, what didn't I like with my upbringing what didn't i like and why do i expect that he would gonna like that if i 
yeah, had it happen for him. So, so I made everything go the opposite way, you know, and uh, most mostly it's worked, I think. So, um, I feel really, you know, grateful just that I have the opportunity to be with them. You know, I had this situation, I had family come early on somehow hand in hand i'm just i was just i've got a little picture in front of me a little it's the only thing i have is like my mum and my dad from a photo booth and they quite young couple at that point but you know my dad only i only saw him at the weekends because he was just working all the time he, he worked all the time to kind of make sure there was enough to put food on the table and um and i know he was a real loving man. It was not. He wasn't absent, but he was just no. He was present, right? He was really present. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My father was there all the time, but he wasn't present. Mm. You know, that's that's the difference. I, I don't ever remember a hug or a, a, a kiss or any or, or even a long talk or even a handshake from my dad. There were different times as well, you know. So the, the, the hug and the kiss was hard to come. I, I, you know, me and my little boy were just kind of like, you know, just hug and kiss all the time. It's like, yeah. Make sure you know it's like just every day, you know. I, absolutely, absolutely, you know, absolutely. Love you, love you, love you too. Love you more, love you more. <laughs> yeah, I make a point every every conversation I have with my son. You know, I tell him I love him at the end of it, and and it's the same for him. You know, so it's uh, that's lovely to hear. I am. Um, my dad wasn't. You know, he, he was a very kind of, he was a very loving and very gentle and kind person. But, uh, you know, he was a man of a certain era. So maybe he wasn't so in touch with his emotions, you know, coming, coming, coming from a different culture as well, kind of navigating all of that. Um, right. You know, he, he was, he was, he was never mean. He, 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 he you know, and, and I saw that. I saw some uncles that were mean to their wives and were horrible to their children and that that was never my dad's vibe but you know he was just kind of proud man really but it, it, it was interesting he he actually told me um just before christmas because he went to nigeria for christmas he, he told me that he was that he was proud of me and that he'd you know, we've we've had our troubles as a family, but it was very healing to hear that from him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, that's something that he would never have said, but I think time has uh, softened him in a way. So, and I guess it goes to to show that we can all grow. Absolutely, have have that happen. You know, so that's great. That's that's the best story I heard this week. Oh, that's, that's nice. <laughs> no, it really is. dad just said to me whatever makes you happy you know because every time I, I, I he would say so right you're going to art college what what do you get at the end of that and i go like well i don't know you become a famous artist right <laughs> okay, okay well if it keeps you happy and then of course i didn't finish that course then i joined a band well okay that's maybe not the most ideal thing but he never said you know it was never negative about anything yeah no, yeah and that's I just want to encourage, support, be there. Yeah. I, the only thing I ever said to Gray about that was, uh, I said, I don't mind what you do with your life. You know, whatever you want to do is fine by me, but I'll just suggest that 
you do something that you love because then you'll probably be quite good at it, you know, and then you might actually have a life from it, you know. So that's all I ever said to him about it. And so far, I think he's pretty much doing what he loves. I mean, uh, yeah, that's what's most important for me with both of them. And, I, and I'm seeing it with my daughter, Savannah. She's six and she's obsessed with drawing it's like all she wants to all she wants to do is kind of draw and I, and I and I'm excited because you know my parents weren't really so supportive of creative um pursuits I, I remember I had to lie when I joined the when I was a teenager when I joined the band and then I had to lie again when I um dropped out of university to uh to pursue you know to accept our, our record deal like I, was that because it, you, you felt they just wouldn't understand yeah i mean with the deal i mean i didn't tell them when i dropped out but then i told them when um we signed the deal because i thought that would lessen the blow (laughs) (laughs) bank account now (laughs) right yeah yeah but i mean they weren't into it at all but it wasn't really until they started seeing me in magazines and and on tv and, and their friends started seeing me that it was like oh they then they suddenly became like cheerleaders and now they're like big now they're, they're like the biggest um cheerleaders but <laughs> now they're at the front of every gig i play yeah yeah, yeah. every every show we do in london but you know i mean i understand they've come from a different place and yeah. so you know they have a whole different set of rules about what you know they only want the best for their children them the best is you know, like a like an architect, a doctor, anything that isn't that is like right. It's not going to work. No, it's funny. I I had because I had like zero relationship with my dad. It worked the other way with my mum. My mum was became super supportive. You know, she was the person that gave me love of art and literature and stuff like that. You know, because she was heavily involved in that. And then when it came to start the band, and I said. You know, I had like this job. I was going to college, but I had this job as well. And I said, Mum, I'm going to leave, you know, the job and I'm going to become a professional musician full time. I said, but it means, you know, I have about half as much money straight away as I have now. And she went, okay, let's do it, you know. And then she would get the Melody Maker every week and scour it looking for, <laughs> you know, awesome. mentions and stuff. And I would come down to breakfast and she would talk to me about I like that new single by the Clash. <laughs> heard, that's good. And I go, really? <laughs> yeah. So it was like wow. she she set the the controls right, you know, for me in that way. We've probably done it already, you know, just by kind of achieving that that little dream, you know, buying the NME or whatever it might have been, whatever publication you read religiously from cover to cover, you know, when you were like, yeah, I'm thinking, well, not really thinking one day, but like suddenly one day it happened kind of amazing you know getting to america college radio meeting the kids on the campus yep 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 that was a fun time i have to remember that i have to remember those those years you know because it it can all go it can all go so fast it's such a blur but you know i have to remember those years because it was that's when we we felt most like a team, really. Yeah, yeah. We had our backs against the wall, and right. no one knew who we were, but we knew, but we knew who we were. And yeah. I never think back about that time so much, but it was probably when we were closest. So. It's nice that you say you've, t- you, you know, maybe a lot of us have to reset ourselves a little, you know, and 
hey, you know, maybe there's like chance that I can, you know, my children might see me playing. I never thought I'd have children, never mind the children that might come out and see me play. Yeah. And of course, they'll come out and go like, oh, it's really noisy what you do. Yeah, that's what that's what Eden said. He said it was too loud. He didn't like it. <laughs> but, but I'm glad that they both saw it. So. I got I got the chance this this year to go and see my son play his first like nationwide tour. You know, he was like, "Oh wow!" Oh yeah, go the other way around. Yeah, he's like three of them in a van. You know, thirteen thousand miles, and you know, taking the gear in and out every night. The funniest thing for me was I went to see him on a few of the the shows. You know playing the same clubs I played 40 years ago. Oh, wow. Except they're just called something different. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a different name. I walk into these places and I go, I know this place. Did you carve your initials in the bog, you know, in the toilet door? Yeah, I went to look in the dressing room. Look, under here it is, under the sink. Yeah. No, it was great. And I loved doing that, you know, and I, and I could see. I, I Actually, I spent my whole time at the, the gigs I went to with him, not looking at, them playing because I know all their songs and I know how they play it. I know all of that stuff because I've seen it again and again. Yeah. But I'd watch the audience, you know, and that was great because I could see that look in the audience that we all know when they know and when they, they get it and they, they, they want it to work and stuff and they're in, you know? Yeah. It's a two way thing, isn't it? It's you're inviting them in yeah. and the energy that they give you makes, makes, makes it better. And yes, I always think it's like a self-referring, like a feedback loop of, of, of love and gratitude backwards and forwards, you know? Yeah. Is that a Hallmark card thing? <laughs> That's another Hallmark card thing right there, yeah. I, I'm going uh, to copyright that one, though. Yeah. Feedback loop of love. Quick. <laughs> you, you make a lot of money off that one. <laughs> well, it, it would be nice, yeah. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Money, money makes the world go round. <laughs> if you get on the TV, well, as soon as you're on the BBC, then you must be okay, right? You've got like it's all in the bank. Yeah, you must be a millionaire. If you, if we saw you on the telly, you must be a millionaire. Can yeah. I borrow fifty pounds, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've money, money, money. There's no, there's no way to talk about money without without not coming across crass. So um, it begets more, doesn't it? It, it's, it? it certainly is the the undoing. I think um, we've both left bands, and the thing that happens is that money becomes the topic. Yes, yeah. And every book I've read, every memoir, every biography is, is there's always some kind of courtroom rumbling at the end of it. Yeah, and that's so depressing. Yeah. Well, there's two there's two sides to that whole thing. I think with money, on one hand, you're right; it's depressing about how that should be the thing that divides up art. The other thing is, it should be that art and all of that creation is a lot more recognised and recompensed than it tends to be. You know, because because you know, it's like I always think this about London, right? And you know, I'm probably wrong now because I've been back for a few years, but. I always think, you know, think of the amount of money that, that bands and music make for England and, and there's like a handful of venues in London and they're all pretty 
crap, you know? Well, there are fewer. There are fewer venues, maybe. Why, why, why wouldn't they do any kind of investment in, in what is basically one of the main exports, you know? Do you think, like, the touring circuit here is, is crap? Do you think, do, does it, is that compared to theatres and stuff in, in like, the States? I mean, I, Yeah, I think so in general, because I think that, that, that you know, I am not, ladies and gentlemen, a, a, a right-wing capitalist, but I think in the States, a lot of the time, they would look at a situation like that and think, well, okay, this stuff is bringing in money, let's build a good place for it. Yeah. Let's do, you know, they're a bit more pragmatic about it. Whereas in England, they're like, oh, those noisy oiks making that sound. Well, we'll put some more money in Lords and they can go whistle, you know? The space in Britain, the, the spaces of the venues that you start when, when, when we kicked off and every pub had a band on. Yeah. And that's changed because the bands were not bringing in the money. So yeah. they needed more space for people to eat and that was more important. And so venues changed. Yeah. Were, you know, the idea of it. Um, nobody, we, know, we had to play, like, we played strip clubs, right? Because the venues didn't want you in. You know, like places like like you know in the Netherlands, in Holland, and stuff like that. You know, the government builds venues and builds rehearsal facilities. I, I used a rehearsal facility in Amsterdam a few years ago that was better than any place I've ever had in England, and it was built by the government. So there's no state sponsorship for it. That's what I mean. You know, in in England, not really. Yeah, I, I, I know that. Um with the conservative um, government, you know, we saw with the kind of the bailouts that it was clear that they weren't prioritising people that worked in the music industry. Like, I think because traditionally, I guess, people in the arts are left wing, so they don't support them. But but right. I remember there being a, a huge furore, you know, with the with the lockdowns, you know. Lots, you know, I'm lucky that I'm a musician that has been going for a certain amount of time, so there was a certain amount of security. But mm. think of all those young um, artists and um, breaking in, into the industry, or all the crew members that like aren't touring, and yeah. I just thought that was so shocking that there was no real support for, for, for those people. No, you know, I just remember thinking. I guess young people were, were always going to take the brunt in with COVID. You know, it, it's it, it's that's left a right. a, 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 a mark like a, or like a, a ripple that's going to keep reverberating, and it's going to keep. You know, we're going to be seeing the after effects of what those years you know have done to people for a long time. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I suppose we can't have it both ways. Maybe that's what it is. You know, that we can't have. Um, meaningful expression uh, with a price on it, uh, you know. It, it, maybe the two things really don't sit well, you know. That I think it's also it's it's political expediency, you know. In, in England and in Europe generally, you know, there are fundings for different things and that which you wouldn't get out here. But what drives the model out here is pragmatism hey, we can make it work and we can make some money. Let's do it. So it's the other way around. But if you fail, you're going to be one of the homeless people that live at the end of my street, you know, because that's what happens, you know. There's no safety net. No safety net at all, 
you know, which is which is pretty friggin' frightening. You know? Did we want a safety net when we started out? Well, no, but then we were young and stupid, so you know, <laughs> oh, no. it's like you don't you don't want a safety net back when you're twenty because you think you're a you're going to live forever, and and b nothing's ever going to be bad. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Well, that's a nice depressing topic to end on, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> is is it always uh, this much of a giggle with, with you guys? Always. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not professional in any shape, way, shape or form. We've just kind of fallen into this in the last couple of years. No, it's good. I, I really enjoyed it. Like, the only people I've spoken to today are like my children, so it's nice to speak to some adults about something. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry that, you know, we're the best you got today. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it, it, was still, it, it was still incredibly enjoyable, don't worry. <laughs> okay. Love to the family and uh, good luck on the touring. Thank you very much, guys, for having me. Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer, Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer, Dan Didier. Executive producer, Mark Cates. Associate Producer Sophie Wilde. Digital Marketing, Margie Taylor. Art and Logo Design, Justin Thomas Kay. Music Production, Jack Knife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com. And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram or at doubleelvis on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2023.